He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's Post-Life Crisis. Welcome to John's Post-Life Crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder of CornNation.com, your Nebraska Cornhuskers site of terrific fun, even though we lost to Colorado last weekend. Today we're talking with Louis Curtis, the director of high school officials for the Iowa High School Athletic Association. How are you doing today, Mr. Curtis? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for uh, thanks for giving me an opportunity to share some information about officiating, and uh, we're doing doing well here in Boone, Iowa. Did your team lose to Colorado last weekend? My team, uh, no. My team beat. Uh, my team won at Kinnick Stadium last weekend. Oh, you're one and, of those. Yeah, and actually I had the uh, good fortune to be able to attend the game. So um, came across some tickets from uh, from a uh, gentleman who is a Big Ten uh, football official. And uh, he's also the director of officials for the state of Minnesota. So um, he was coming to do the Rutgers-Iowa game and... and uh, got me in so yeah it was a lot of fun and uh hawks played well and we uh actually were after the game watching the nebraska the nebraska finish and uh right right about the time nebraska was lining up to go for their overtime field goal um some for some reason somebody in the restaurant decided to switch over to the UNI game so we didn't we didn't get to see the we didn't get to see the end of that but uh it's too bad for them yeah well it it sucked but that's not what we're here to talk about <laughs> we are here to talk about high school officiating and uh i i know nothing about this which is why it's kind of interesting to me i guess because you know sports has all different levels and uh I mean, I have a friend of mine who is a power five official. I think he's a line judge. And uh, I know that he had to start out and, and literally work his way up from division three and division two and work that way up. And I assume that a lot of these guys uh, start at the high school level. Yeah, I think so. I think that's uh, that's kind of where everybody gets started. I don't think there's anybody that can just jump right into um, college officiating. Um, I think you have to get, you know, cut your teeth a little bit first. Uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of officials in Iowa that are registered with the Iowa High School Athletic Association, but they also work, um, you know, the Iowa colleges we have a lot of division three um colleges in iowa small schools some naia um so there's a there's a definite need for college officials as well um just not as many games obviously as there are in high school um but uh yeah you know you 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 work your way up through the ranks and uh if you're if you're good enough and i think also if you are willing to take the time and put the time and effort into studying and, and, uh, knowing cause there's a, there's a big difference between, um, not only the level of play and the speed at which the game is played, but also, uh, the rule books are, are pretty, there's, there's a number of significant 
rule differences between uh, you know NCAA and the NFHS rules. So how does how does one actually start this process? How do you how do you become a high school official? Yep. So in Iowa, there's there's really um, the, you know the number one thing is you have to have an interest in wanting to do it. So once you've uh, kind of expressed an interest, then really all you have to do is get on our website uh, and basically sign up and register to be an official. So you pay a fee, um, fill out some you know some registration information, um, and you pay a fifty dollar fee, and you can become an official at that point or try to become an official there's two other things that you really have to do uh you after you pay your fee um you're going to you're going to receive um you know a rule book uh case book uh and an official's manual um so there's going to be some studying that you have to do and then uh you we you have to view an online rules meeting which we put on our website as well uh, coaches have to view that same rules meeting head coaches have to view it every year as as do officials uh, at all levels for our officials uh, so if you're just a junior high official you still have to watch the rules meeting if you're a varsity official you have to watch the rules meeting um, and then after you watch the rules meeting you you uh, go into your account and you have to take the rules exam and it's a 50 question uh, test um, and you have to pass uh, pass that exam with a 76% or higher so you have to get 38 out of the 50 questions correct in order to pass and if you pass the exam um, and watch that rules meeting then you uh, you are registered and licensed to officiate uh, school you know basically seventh grade through twelfth grade uh in that sport um and you're able to do that for three years uh prior to the start of your third year you have to um and you, you have to do these same things over again every year you know you have to go back in and pay the $50 fee, you have to watch the new rules meeting, you have to take the exam. Every year you have to keep doing that. But then uh, eventually um, we require the people who are going to be varsity officials to attend a an official's, we, call, we just call them clinics, it's an official's mechanics clinic. Uh, it talks in that, in that clinic there's a lot of um, discussion about um, you know, like if you're a football official, it's maybe your position. So if you're a line judge or if you're an umpire or if you're a referee, you know, they'll they'll have breakout sessions and talk about your specific uh, position and, and uh, how you should, you know, things you should key on and look at and watch for and places that you should be positioned at, that sort of thing. Um, in addition to, you know, new rule changes or um, just important current things that officials need to know. So that mechanics clinic basically allows you to stay as a varsity level official. Um, and you only have to attend that one time for us in Iowa to be able to stay varsity level. Um 
and then beyond that, uh, if you want to work for the high school athletic association, not just the regular schools, and you want to do our postseason, you know, our playoff games or our tournament games, um, you have to attend those clinics. We we put them on every year. We have about five or six of them every year uh, throughout the state, and so you would have to attend one of those at least every three years, uh, kind of like a, I, I look at it as continuing education. Um, so you have to continue your education in order for us to hire you um, to work for us in those postseason games. So you, think, you, you mentioned yep. a case book. What, mm-hmm. what is a case book? So a case book is it kind of mirrors the rule book. The rule book will sit there and say, okay, rule 5-15-4 says whatever whatever that rule is. And then the case book, if you look under 5-15-4, there are examples of things that might happen in a game that that apply that this rule applies to. And so it might be, you know, uh if it's a football situation, it might say something like, uh, well, I've got the case book right in front of me. Um, it might say, um, let me find one that's kind of short. A1 takes his position over the ball and places both hands on the ball. So this is an offensive, um, probably like the offensive center. The ready-for-play signal has not been given. B1 breaks the plane of the neutral zone. They want to know, well, what's the ruling on that? So the center puts his hands on the ball. The ready-for-play signal has not been given, and then the defensive player jumps across the neutral zone. So then they have to decide, okay, well, is that encroachment? Is he offsides or not? Well, the ruling is there's no foul. Encroachment restrictions are not in effect before the ready for play signal has been given. So there's the that's an that's a case book example of a play that might happen. Okay? In the in the rule book, it's going to say what is that rule, you know? And in that in in that uh in the rule book, that one says following the ready for play and after the snapper has placed his hands on the ball, Encroachment occurs if any other player breaks the plane of the neutral zone. A defensive player makes contact with the ball prior to the end of the snap. So that's the that's what the rule reads. Well, then the case book is simply real situations that might happen, and then they ha- and then they share what that ruling actually is. It's kind of like a study guide. Absolutely. Yep. I, I've yep. seen this. I, I've seen these at the NCAA level, and I can't remember where. But um, some of these things are really nasty. But I suppose <laughs> you get into you know you get into positions during games where it's pretty contentious, also. So yeah, there's 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 a lot of complexity and little and and little subtleties to the rule that the case book tries to address, um, and it's really important for officials to study not only the rule book but the case book really is the application of the rules 
um, what it's going to look like when you go out on a field, you know, because now you you can you can say what the rule is, but if you don't know what that looks like on a play or how to apply the rule to that play, then it doesn't do you much good. So these guys these guys get paid to officiate games. Yeah, the high school level uh, officials, junior high level officials, yeah, they're paid. Uh, the schools will hire them to, um, you know, the schools will hire them to come and work for them. Uh, similar to, you know, they'd hire a, hire an electrician to come and, and make sure the light switches are working properly. Well, they're going to hire football officials or basketball officials or wrestling officials to come and, and uh, you know, make sure that the rules are being followed during that game and uh and uh, manage the you know manage the people uh that are involved in the game and then they get a you know they get a check for a little bit of money after they work so so there's a, a degree of familiarity in other words you typically a high school will hire the same official i am assuming year after year after year yeah, you see that a lot, yeah. Um, you know, because uh, location is going to play a big part of that. You know, you can't, uh, you can't have a 6 o'clock start and think that you're going to have an official that is going to come out to your school to work for a couple hours that lives two hours away. Um, you know, if there's a 6 o'clock start on some game, they're probably going to want to be there half hour to 45 minutes before the game ever starts and depending on the sport uh, maybe even longer than that um you know so the travel time and and what time does that person get off work and it, so there's there's a lot of uh a lot of uh local you know you need you need local people um to be able to uh pull all that off you know but officials you know it's not unusual for officials to to drive an hour, hour and a half to to go do a game. So, is are there plenty of officials to go around? Well, the, in certain areas of Iowa, I think there are enough officials. Uh, so, you know, around the Des Moines area, there's just a lot of people, and there's a lot of officials in the Cedar Rapids area. There's a lot of officials. Um, but, you know, you go into southwest Iowa, northwest Iowa, southeast Iowa, where there's not as many big cities um, or, or good-sized communities, you know. Um, there's just not as many officials in those areas. And there's just as many, if not more, schools, because there's a lot of small schools um, that need, they need officials too. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of schools in those areas that are playing a lot of games, and there's just not a lot of officials there and so the the i think where the biggest issue uh comes up with numbers of officials is in the rural areas and then also um you know where uh where you you're starting games earlier in the in the day so you have a junior high game starting at 4:30 well it's hard to find people that can come and work football at 4:30 or a basketball game at 4:30 because they're still at work themselves. Um, so, you know, it's 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 a complex issue. Um, 
Is this but, uh, is, is the shortage because it's just harder for people to be officials, or is it because there's just decreasing population in the rural areas? Well, I think the I think the rural areas feel it that there just is a decreasing population is is a huge part of it. I think there's also there has also been, um, you know, a lot of uh, there's been a lot of negativity uh, in the officiating world. Uh, you know, you you just I think there's a belief that the minute you walk onto a field with stripes on, you're supposed to be flawless. You can't make mistakes. And if you make mistakes, then people don't like it and they're not afraid to voice their displeasure. And so, you know, if you're a if you're a brand new official that's never done it before and you're just trying to learn how to do something, um and you do something that's not quite right like a like a seasoned veteran might understand <laughs> you have to learn that somehow and in your learning process if you're getting you know challenged or you're getting confronted or yelled at um that you sometimes might think I don't know if I really want to keep doing this so i think the you know i think the uh plight of the official is that uh, a they have to come in knowing that some of that's going to happen but I think there also has to be some change in um, you know from the from the fans and from the coaches and from the players um, and even administrators maybe who who need to understand you know gosh we need to back off a little bit and let let guys work and let guys try to do their best and accept uh, some of the, you know, whether you agree with the call or not, you just, sometimes you just need to accept it and say thanks for being here, you know. I have a, I have a daughter who, all three kids, all three of my kids played soccer, competitive soccer, and uh, my daughter was an official for one year, and she was officiating because I coach soccer. I went over to watch her officiate this kid's mm -hmm. game. I literally like five year old kids mm -hmm. and it was a hot day and she blew the whistle about three minutes early and called the game early and a fully grown adult male coach walked over and started screaming in her face. <laughs> and I looked at her and because if he, any kind of movement by him and I'd have killed him. Mm -hmm. And I just watched to see what her reaction is. And she just stood there and let him yell at her. And she just looked at him like, you know, a teenage daughter would look at her dad like you're an ass. <laughs> That's all she did until he got tired. And, you know, you can't scream at somebody forever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there were two incidents like that. There was another incident which two mothers went after because two little five-year-old kids ran into each other. And there was a murder committed on the field mm -hmm. right there, you know, and. And then the next year I said, uh, you know, are you going to be an official again? And she looks at me and she just goes, she shrugs and she goes, it's not even worth it, Dad. You know, and that's the kind of thing that, that's where it starts really, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The difficulty in having these it guys does. grow up. I think uh, we, we at the athletic association level where we are trying to get young people to think about and consider officiating 
we would say to them, you know, you don't want to throw yourself into, you know, a, a game that's at such a level that you can't handle it. So you would think that youth sports, you know, five, eight, ten-year-old kids, you can handle their level of play and, and uh, you know, deal with the simplicity of the game that they're playing versus the complexity of the game that, you know, 16 to 22-year-olds are playing. It's just a different game that they're playing. Um, the problem with that is the the youth level um games that are out there you know they don't have the high school principal supervising the crowd they don't have the athletic director there helping the officials get to a locker room or uh taking them to and from their car or you know supporting them if they need support from you know uh a supervisor um they're they're a lot of times left out there just like your the way you describe your daughter's situation she's out there by herself yeah and uh and who's who's there to help her you know it, obviously on that one day you were you were there if you needed to be there but you might not be there to watch her officiate and 99% of the people there are there to watch the little kids play or to cheer for the little kids. And then when they lose their minds over a call that somebody has to make, who who's there to help that one person who's making that call? And that so the environment might not be the best environment for them to be doing those things because it might be better for them to be at a junior varsity soccer game, even though the kids are older and the play is a little faster. But you know what? There's there's people from the school there that are being paid to supervise and control the crowd and control the control that environment so that that doesn't happen as much. Still happens, uh, but maybe not as much. So uh, you're a director of the entire state of officials for Iowa, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so there has to be like conventions or meetings where you meet other directors from other states, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a, we have a Midwest Officials Summit, we call it, uh, and it's basically the directors of officials from each of our organizations. We have about, oh, 10 or, 10 or 11 states. It ranges from... You know, Kansas, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Iowa, Missouri, Minnesota, Illinois, uh, Indiana. This year our summit is in Louisville, Kentucky, which is basically the farthest east we go for our Midwest uh, officials. So it ranges from, you know, Kentucky over to Nebraska and and all those states in between. And, we yeah, we get together uh, for a few days and kind of talk about you know, talk about issues that we face, and we all face very similar issues. <laughs> well, what what is the biggest issue that you face? Well, I think the biggest issue is it's it's recruiting and retention of officials. Um, right. I mean, I think, uh, and I and I have said I, I've been in this job for three and a half years, 
and I have said probably for the last three years, our biggest issue isn't recruiting officials, it's retaining officials. We lose officials um, at at an alarming rate. I would say two out of three, maybe three out of four, uh, who are new to officiating do not officiate again after their second year, first or second year of of uh, giving it a shot. Um, so, you know, if you if you bring in a hundred new officials and you're feeling pretty good, okay, we got a hundred brand new officials, and then a year later, only 25 of them come back. That's that's just not good. <laughs> Is it that gotta, bad? Yes. Oh yes. wow. Yeah, it's about a it's about a two thirds to three fourths, you know, sixty five to seventy five percent of officials uh, get into the get into officiating, and within their third year, before their third year starts, that's about how many of them we lose. That's uh, quite a bit. <laughs> yep. Yep. So when you you know so so if you think about it, if you lose retiring officials not not quitting officials but retiring i'm i'm you know 70 years old i'm 75 years old i'm getting i need to quit officiating because i'm retiring from doing it if you lose 10 of those guys of those people and you think how do we replace them well you can't replace them with 10 new officials because six or seven of those are going to be gone in a year. <laughs> so you need to have like 30 or 40 that are replacing the 10 because you figure, you know, 20 or 30 of those people are going to be gone. You you know, that's how you, you got to get, you got to get to take care of those 10. You know, you need probably triple the number to come in or or you have to figure out how do we not lose so many if we're getting if we're getting 30 to come in but we're only retaining eight of them well we're now we're losing numbers how do we not retain eight how do we how do we retain 18 how do we retain 28 you know, and the, and those are difficult things to figure out because there's a lot of different reasons why people can't officiate any longer. Um, some of it is definitely um, sportsmanship, or their experience was not pleasant, and they decide they don't want to do that anymore. Um, but but for some of them, it's you know they might have a uh, change in their life that uh, causes them to not be able to do it. You know, they, they might have a new job uh, that they can't get off work in time. They might have, you know, maybe they're maybe they're uh, newlyweds and they've got a, a new child and they just can't be gone uh, as frequently because there, there is some time commitments to officiating for sure. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot of things. Um, some of the things you have zero control over, so you try to try to work with the things that you feel like you might have a little control over. All right, we're going to change focus a little bit. 
it, well, let me ask you this. If you have like an eighth grade high school football game and you don't have officials, there's no game, is there? No. No. So is that play. a problem? I mean, have we've had yeah, stuff? we've had some games get uh canceled because of uh lack of being able to find officials. Certainly have had that happen. Um around the country, um there have been some Friday night football games that have been canceled. You know, varsity football games that have been uh, postponed it, you know, we've got to either play them on Thursday night or we have to play them on Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning um, because we don't have officials for Friday night, not enough of them. Now, we haven't really had that issue yet in Iowa that I am aware of, at least, um, as far as not being able to play because of the officials. Um, we have had some definite problems with that as far as lower level games so not being able to find officials um you know for a for a freshman baseball game or for a junior varsity football game yeah that's that's happened um so those those kinds of things are are happening as we speak and uh that's part of the reason why we have to keep working on trying to retain and recruit um, new officials because we obviously don't want that to be the trend um, but it's it's not an easy fight to fight okay there's there's a lot made nowadays about brain injuries in football and and sports overall mm -hmm. uh, is is there any duty on the part of a of an official to say that a player is injured needs to leave the field? Yeah, so so in Iowa, there's Iowa code that requires um, the officials or the coaches um, to uh, identify whether or not they are seeing symptoms or signs of a concussion. Um, and if they see symptoms or signs of a concussion, they are required by law to um, remove that player from the game so that they can be examined by a healthcare professional um, and they can't return to that game until the healthcare professional um, has had a chance to examine them and says you know there there is not a concussion they're they're you know they get maybe got shook up a little bit or knocked knock the wind out of them or you know maybe it's you know they hurt their shoulder and it looked like they were going down, you know, and feel that maybe the official might have thought they uh, thought they got hit in the head or something, but it was maybe a different body part or whatever the case may be. So they do have to, uh, by law, um, take somebody out if they observe those signs and symptoms of a concussion. Um, other injuries, no. Um, you know, if if a if a kid. Uh, rolls his ankle and is hobbling around out there, um, the official doesn't have any um, requirement to say you can't be in the game. Now, if he, if he rolls his ankle and he goes down and they, and they can't continue the game because there's a player down on the field, then that player has to come off, uh, has to come off of the field uh, but, you know, by rule. Um, but as far as like if they just see somebody that 
looks like they're hurt, not a head injury, not a concussion possibility, but you know they're they're limping. Um, the official doesn't have to take them off. The coach doesn't have to take them off. Um, they, they might choose to take them off because they'd rather have somebody out there who who can uh, you know who can run faster or something like that without without hobbling. But um, you know, in in all in all sports, uh, kids you know kids want to kids want to stay out there and if and sometimes they play through those injuries. But if it's a head injury, a neck injury, anything like that, there's there's no uh, you know, there's no leeway for that. They have to be removed. So is there any kind of training available for them to recognize this, the symptoms or recognize what they're seeing yeah. on the field? Yeah, so every year um, in as part of the rules meetings uh, that I referenced earlier, um, officials and coaches have to watch. Um, there is There is always a part of that that is, strictly set aside for concussion uh protocol things things to look for uh how how might you identify uh concussion what are the symptoms um what are things that you need to be looking for and then also a a very good stern reminder that you are by law required to look for these things and and be aware of these things and if you notice them you've got to get that uh kid out of there and and for coaches that's also the case in practice um so so officials are really obviously officials can't observe that stuff except for in their games um the coaches have to observe that stuff in practice and in games um so there's some training there. There's also we also, uh, you know, guide uh, people to um, the National Federation has some different um, learning opportunities. And the concussion in sports is a is an online video, online uh, you know learning opportunity that they can take uh, that as well. It's not a required thing that they do, but um, you know we always we always suggest that that might be something that they that they want to do um coaches coaches of the schools are required uh to watch a concussion uh video every year all coaches who are who are uh, licensed in Iowa are required to watch that uh concussion uh course every year so coaches have a little more of a required training um officials um it's not required it's but we do guide them toward the same um same things that the coaches have to watch so what do you what do you think the biggest challenge is going to be over the next 10 years of high school sports well i think declining participation is a is a is a big concern right now. Um, football, uh, you know, you're seeing people, you're seeing kids just not participate as much. And I think the, you know, the the risk of injury, uh, you know, the 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 concern for that is real. And uh, you know, that's something that is 
you know, constantly being looked at and addressed and trying to trying to find ways to make the game safer. Uh, the rules of the game are changing and evolving to try to help with that. So um, one good example of that is the blindside hit, which used to be, you know, back in, you know, you can say back in our day, the, the hit where, you know, you saw somebody just get depleted, you know, they hey, get knocked it, 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 I was an offensive guard, and it was my favorite play because, you yep. know, you pulled and you went around and you knew the linebacker was looking at the quarterback. He wasn't looking at you. Exactly. So you just slaughtered the guy. Yes. It was and one that, of the greatest and, feelings of my young life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And now, by rule, those hits need to be taken out of the game. And so, so, what, so how that rule has kind of changed and evolved here over the last, you know, four, five, six years is now in order for you to make that block, you have to do it with an with an open hand. And your arms, you know, your arms have to be extended away from your body. So you can still hit the guy, you can still knock the guy down. But you just can't launch yourself into him with your shoulder and your helmet and and be smacking him in the side of the head and what what do we call it the the forearm shiver right there you go there you go same bringing your arms up and smashing the guy as hard as you could right so here's one for your trying to be taken out of the trying to be taken out of the game and that's a that's really it is a good thing it should it, it those things don't belong in the game you can still make that block and spring your running back or get your quarterback outside of the pocket, all that kind of stuff, by sealing the blocker, by sealing the tackler, pushing the tackler away. You don't have to just blow him up. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I mean, you know. Here, here's, you got, here's what you got to think. What if you're the guy getting blown up? I got the that. The fun in that is yeah. <laughs> I don't have to get blown up. Well, that's true. That, that, was, that was as much as fun as the other one was. That other part was one of the more miserable things. That you exactly. Mentioned. Exactly. I here. I I used to just to be fair to the guys I hit. I used to scream at them one or two steps before I hit them. <laughs> okay, enough of high school. My somewhat glory You're days. I wasn't that. <laughs> I was. I wasn't that good an athlete, but you know, I got to got play you. because I yeah. grew up in Western Nebraska. Uh, all right, what are we missing? What I, what haven't I asked that you think people should know more about? Well, um, you know, I think that uh, one of the things that that everybody has to just really be aware of is and it, and it's and it's hard because you get so wrapped up in they're your kids but i think the thing that everybody really needs to be aware of is the the what the role that everybody plays in sports and when you're a when you when you attend a game and you're a fan you're cheering for your team and I feel like 
over the last you know decade or maybe maybe it's been going on longer than that but um it feels like there's been a change in philosophy and belief of what a fan is and the fan is a person who you know taunts the opponent or who boos the referee's call um and they and they believe that that that's helping their team and i just have a i just have a problem with that belief because to me i think what helps your team is raising the spirit of your team raising the level of play of your team so cheering for your team and being a supporter for your team is how you want to improve your team not breaking down somebody else or burying somebody else or or you know uh, intimidating somebody else so that they don't do their job as well or th- so that they uh cower down to um what you want i i just think that's the wrong way to go about it the right way to go about it is we want we want you to play your best we want to play our best and then we want to win but we're going to win because we're better we play better we did a better job and not have it be because um you know we caused you to not be able to play well as as fans not as the other team the other team's job is to stop you from playing well <laughs> um you know what i'm saying yes i do i, I do. just think that's a i think that's something that is a personal choice that every individual has to make is wh- why am i going to this game and for me i go to the game i go to any game well, I, I have different reasons to go to games. You know, sometimes I'm going to the games to literally watch the officials work, and I'm there in a working environment to help observe and evaluate and try to help them improve. But if I'm going to, you know, when I went to when I went last Saturday to Kinnick Stadium, I went for one reason because I wanted to cheer for Iowa. I didn't want to boo Rutgers. And I didn't want to, you know, yell at uh, referees. I wanted to cheer for Iowa. That's that's the only reason I went to the game. And I wish people, I wish all people would go in and say, the reason I'm going is because I want to cheer for the Eagles. Or I want to cheer for, you know, the the. You're supposed to say Huskers right now. Huskers. I want to cheer for. And, and, you know, generally, I think when you think about that, when you think about going to Memorial Stadium and there's, you know, 98,000 people there every Saturday, probably 95,000 of them probably do go in with that intention of cheering, just cheering for the Huskers. There's probably a couple thousand who think, man, I'm going to make life miserable on... Colorado or Iowa State or Iowa or Texas or whoever's coming to town. 
and that and those people get drowned out for the most part but then add in one call that's questionable and all of a sudden every the the 98,000 that was dominated by 95 or 96,000 people suddenly just with one call can turn and it becomes you know hollering and yelling and booing at the referee because the call didn't go their way and it's just it just it kind of drives me nuts sometimes to have to sit and watch that i find it astonishing that anybody would do this anymore to be honest with you i mean it's just the the amount of I mean, I, I shoot photography sometimes. I'm down on the field at Nebraska during a game, and it's a giant battery. It's like so much energy that you can feel just in the air, mm-hmm. like an electricity when the mm-hmm. stadium is you know, going insane. And I cannot imagine being a guy that has to make calls in that situation and have 98,000. That's just that's too much for me. <laughs> so, so, so this is how I see it is at, in that, at that level – when you're when you're doing things at that level, you are uh, ultra competitive. You you have you've really worked hard to get to where you are. And I'm talking about the coaches, and the players, and the officials. They have all worked extremely hard to get to that level, and they've obviously done things very very well to be able to be allowed to be in that environment. So those eight officials or seven officials, however many are out on the field, um, those are, those people are really, really good at what they do. But 90, you know, 93,000 of the people in the stadium are cheering for one team. And those eight, those eight people, they're not cheering for either team. <laughs> they are simply cheering to get the call right as best as they can. And so when the call, when they feel like they got the call right or they tried to get it right, and they might even know that I don't think I really got that one right, but that's the call I made and I have to live with that call right now, um, those those 90,000 aren't going to be happy with it and they choose to let people know now trade that off go back to go back to being a high school official or a junior varsity official or a five-year-old soccer game official you know that same mentality from the fans should not be there <laughs> the these the, the people working those games aren't the best of the best they're just people who want to help and who want to uh you know stay involved in the sport who want to uh help kids so that they can play and the that but the attitude of some fans not and not the not the majority of fans it's a small minority but it only takes one or two you know to ruin the to ruin the environment and uh you know, I think I think that's that's where people need to check themselves and say, 
gosh, we're we're here because we have kids that like to play this sport. And my job as a fan should just just be to come and cheer for the kids. Just come and watch them, you know, let them play. And and everybody else will do their part. The coaches will coach the kids and and try to make them better. The kids will go out and play and and try to do the best job they can from what they've practiced. And the officials will go out and try to apply the rules appropriately as best as they can um, so that the kids stay safe and that the game, you know, is fairly contested. And that's it. And the, and the fans, their their role is to go and watch and to cheer. <laughs> it seems pretty simple, but it just doesn't happen that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, all right. You know what? I think that that's a good point to end on. And uh, you're a busy guy, and I'm certainly loved by so many people that I'm a busy guy. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to end here. I want to thank you coming on the the program and i think it was certainly interesting it was informative to me uh i'd wish you luck with your football team and kinnick but not really that much luck <laughs> so thank you louie for talking You're to me welcome. and take care and that is this episode of john's post-life crisis thank you all for listening